Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Digital Masters Podcast. Today we have on David Deutsch. I'm super excited to have him here. He is a proven leader in the copywriting space, has a long proven career, has generated over a billion dollars for his clients. And we're gonna be talking about how to be a better copywriter. And on that note, I don't normally promote things on this show, but I want you to head over to his website. He has a course and he also has a group where he is taking copywriters to the next level. And I wanted to pay special attention to that because if you're gonna learn from somebody, you wanna learn from this guy, go check it out. Otherwise, let's get into this. I'm super excited, let's do it. What is going on, David Deutsch? Happy to have you on the show today. Oh, great to be here. Yeah, so you are one of the most modest marketers that I've come across. We actually, uh, we got connected on TikTok and you actually saw one of my videos and you booked a call with me and then I was asking you what you do and you're like, oh, I'm just the, I'm just the copywriter. And then it was, <laughs> it was over time that I realized that you had sold over a billion dollars worth of products and, and that you were, you're a pivotal copywriter in the space. And then a lot of the people that I know already know, knew who you were. And then I started doing, um, research on you and you were, you worked with, uh, Ogilvy and Mathers and, uh, Ogilvy and Mathers, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was hoping we could, we could start there and just sure. talk a little bit about that early experience that you had and kind of how that, how that shaped you. Yeah. I mean, it was great to get my start there. Ogilvy is like a teaching hospital, you know, where they, they actually train people. Uh, David Ogilvy, of course, is a pivotal character in the history of advertising was a, a great teacher, a great, great at codifying his principles of advertising. But, you know, most importantly, he, he believed that advertising wasn't about winning awards, which was contrary to a lot of the dogma of ad agencies at the time and maybe still currently. Um, but he believed it was about selling. And so, you know, he is where I first found out about people like Claude Hopkins or John Caples and some of the, you know, the seminal people in, uh, in kind of indirect, you know, that a lot of direct people in direct response take seriously. In fact, Ogilvy said direct response or direct mail was his kind of his first love and secret weapon. Direct mail. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, so, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it really, really prepared me for the world of direct response, which is, you know, very accountable and very, everything gets measured and isn't about as much about branding. Right. Well, well tell me, what, what, did you, what do you mean by like winning, winning a war versus selling? Like, tell me, what, like, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, a lot of times advertising, uh, traditional advertising, ad, ag ad agency advertising is done in a way where, I mean, there's a natural tendency to want to, show off, to want to win awards, right? To want to get something, oh, a piece awards, for your portfolio, I right? I gotcha, gotcha. To want to do creative work. And sometimes what's creative and what wins awards and what looks good in your portfolio isn't necessarily what sells the product or what, you know, it, it, there's a joke about, you know, someone, they watch a commercial and they say, boy, that was a great commercial. That's the greatest commercial I've ever seen. And you say to them, what was the product? And they say, I don't know, some battery or something like that, you know? So you can entertain people, but you have to entertain people in a way where they come away remembering the brand and something positive about the brand and where it increases sales. Where someone actually takes, takes action and buys something. Right. And so how was it, 
what was it that you were learning there to really help you sell? Like what, what, like what were some of the, the insights that you were learning that, that helped you not just take that creative approach and just focus on the product and how do you sell it? Well, I think part of that is based on response, right? How do you get a response to something, right? How do you set it up in a way where someone has to perform an action? They have to send for something. There has to be, maybe there's a coupon in the ad, right? Ad agencies don't like to do ads with coupons in them, right? When they're really creative ad agencies. Nobody likes to have an ad in their portfolio with a coupon, right? Why is it? Is it just because it's not sexy or something? Yeah, it's not sexy. It's very, you know, very uh, packaged goods kind of thing, right? Um, but you want to get that response it, because the first encounter with a coupon may not, with a prospect may not even be a uh, purchase. It might be a request for more information. So it was really that mentality of provoking an action, I think, is the first thing. And then the other is, you know, just like we talked about that commercial, right, where they couldn't remember the name. It's got to be memorable in a way where you remember the product. So if it's something that's sold in stores, you know, you remember to go buy it. Or if it's an ad for, you know, Stephen Pope, you remember the name Stephen Pope and go, you know, look him up or or something like that, right? Um, and and, and it's got to it's gotta really give benefits that are important to people. Right. Not just make you laugh with talking frogs or, you know, funny things happening to people, but but to really go, wow, that's, you know, that really looks like that would help me either avoid something in my life I want to avoid or move towards something in my life that I want to get. Right. Yeah. I like that word. Wow. Because I, I think that the same thing with content, it's like when you're creating content, you really have to make people say, wow, I'm glad I, I saw that. Like you want people, right? Because that's and especially with content too. That's also when people are more engaged. That's when it's become shareable, and their people are pushing it out into their own networks. Is when they really have that kind of aha moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, you know, people pay me a lot of money to coach them in copywriting. But really, if they would just ask themselves, "Would this make me go wow if I read it?" You know, that's like fifty percent of what I, you know, what I do is I look at it and I go, "Does it make me go wow?" And if it doesn't you know, to try to figure out, okay, how can we make, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, like, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, that's something I want. Wow, that's going to help me avoid something I don't want. Because, like, you know, there's so much out there. If you can't get a little wow out of someone, they're, they're just going to go on to the next thing. Right. You know, it's so funny that you say that because when I'm coaching clients on creating content, whether it's like an individual video or this podcast, so the first thing that's at the top of that like little script or whatever is this thing I call a wow statement. Mm-hmm. And I, I instruct them to go through that and say, you know, wow, I'm glad I saw this. And now that I saw this, I know this. And because I know this, I'm going to do this or not do that. And I now feel better because of that. And I, I have yeah. them craft that. And what's, what's so interesting is that that's the piece that everyone skips. <laughs> They all right. they all skip that piece and go right into the content writing, and um, and I know for sure like where I've gotten right now. It's all because I just kept focusing on that wow statement because that provides all the focus for everything you're gonna write. Yeah, 
I mean, it's a great statement of how to do advertising. That's interesting. So it's like you want the, the the consumer to come away going, wow, I didn't know this and now this. Yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of what marketing is, is it's like people end up wanting to just produce a lot or like you're saying, try to be flashy or creative. But it right. also it, it seems to be the magic. The magic is slowing down, getting really intentional and being aware of what's mm -hmm. going on. And just giving your head the space to to really just describe things in clear, simple language that people are going to understand and, and take something away from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, simplicity is a big thing. I mean, so, that was. So you talked about the call to action, and that makes sense. How do you end up kind of thinking through the, the description of the benefits? You know, that's I think people get caught up on that, too. Like, how do you how do you describe I know this is this kind of a broad question and it's not, but how do you, how do you just describe a product in, in simple terms and the benefits of it? Well, I, th I think you've got to think in terms of benefits. You've got to kind of push your thinking, right? Like you said, people don't want to do the wow statement. People don't want to sit down and go, okay, what are the benefits of this product, right? Because, you know, the first two or three are easy, but then it starts to get, you know, further. And then also you need to push yourself well, first of all, you need to distinguish between features and benefits, right? A friend of mine, Alan Rosenspan, has a great lecture that he gives where he takes a pencil, right? And it's like, okay, this is a pencil. Like, the feature of it is that it's yellow. But what's the benefit of that? Well, the benefit of that is that if you need to write something, it's yellow and it stands out on your desk, right? So that's the benefit of that. It's it's beveled, right? It's got flat, you know, it's got eight sides or whatever it is, right? That's a feature. It's got that shape to it. But what's the benefit? The benefit is it won't roll off your desk, right? Because it's got the flat sides, so it can't roll. Right. So, you know, it's got an eraser on it. Well, that's nice, but what's the benefit? Well, the benefit is that, you know, anytime you make a mistake, it's really easy to just flip the thing over and you can get rid of your mistake. You can't do that with a pen. Can't, you know, so... You've, you've got to, in the same way, you've got to be able to translate whatever your product is, whatever your service is, beyond features and into benefits, right? Um, and then you've got to take that and even what's the benefit of the benefit, right? Like, yeah, I, you and I help people make more money, but people don't want just more money. That's just numbers on a spreadsheet or piles of paper, Right. They want the things money can buy. They want the recognition money can buy. They want, you know, uh, they want to be good providers for their family. So those are those are kind of, you know, the benefits of the benefits. Right. So so is there is there an exercise that you sometimes work people through to help them kind of like push them to that that next thing? Like, how do you how do you get them to keep thinking down those paths and take that next leap? Yeah, just creating a simple matrix, you know simple table of it, you know, okay, this is the feature, this is the benefit, you know, this is the benefit of the benefit, right? You can do this. And that means, right, you'll never have to worry about running out of money. And that means you'll, you'll have peace of mind, right? And that means, and, and your family will, you know, your, your, your spouse will think you're, you know, you're doing a good job. You'll be a hero to your family. Um, you may not want to say these things in your ad, right? directly, but 
some of them you might, and, and they're there if you need them, right, to pick from. And then, okay, emotional benefit, right? Maybe the next box, next row is emotional benefits. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the pencil enables you to write and, you know, say what you're thinking. But the emotional benefit is you'll be able to express yourself, right? You'll, 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 you'll be able to have the satisfaction of maybe writing poems or, you know, whatever that emotional component of that is. So like kind of describing like what the future, like what will they be doing in the future because of this product? Right. What will help them envision their future? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's like a lot of time when I'm helping people, it's easy to help somebody else through it. But sometimes for whatever reason, when you're doing it yourself, like you can just, you can really get caught up and lost in copywriting and all that stuff. Yeah, well, it's hard when you're, you know, as they say, when you're inside the jar to see the label, right? And so it's hard to write about yourself. It's hard to even evaluate your own writing um, because you've written it and you, you, you saw it being pieced together. You saw that it's not quite what you wanted. It didn't come out the way you thought. Um, if there's something wrong with it, then you've got to put the effort into changing it. And who wants to do that, right? So you've got a sort of a bias in terms of how oh, you right, look yeah. at it. And plus the curse of knowledge, right? You know the product, you know the market, you know, you know like too much stuff. That, that's why it's good to do sort of hacks to get around that, right? You, you let it sit for a week. You look at it with fresh eyes. You try to look at it as if you're the consumer, right? You got to kind of almost do like method acting and become someone else maybe literally give it to someone else to read. You know, we're kind of embarrassed about showing stuff we've written to other people, but, but nothing like that. Someone reads it and they go, I don't believe this part here. This part here put me to sleep. <laughs> or they read it and they go, wow, where can I get this? Right. They, okay, and you know, right. you're good. Yeah. You know, one thing that's interesting about that I've noticed too is that the, um, the copywriting can also really become a sales script as well. Like, so what I, what I did is just like, when I was on sales calls, I would just literally almost read the same thing that was the, and people didn't always know that I did this, but I would literally just read the same thing that, that they were attracted to, or that was on my LinkedIn profile. It was just basically, this is what I do. And I would just kind of watch them and see where they got distracted or, or if they didn't quite understand, or if they asked me a question or if they said, or, or do you mean this? Did you mean this? Mm -hmm. And then I would kind of mark down like, you know, what, what did they say there? And then I would kind of be able to, and and then you offer, you have a group, right? Where you, you will actually, people can bring in their copywriting. Right. And you just on the call with them, you will go through it and kind of help pick it apart. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, it's so helpful to people because they get like an outside, an outside point of view of it. Um, and I, that's, I think, the key to becoming a better writer is to get that kind of outside feedback from someone that, you know, I can immodestly say knows what they're doing. You right. know? But even feedback from other people in the group is good, right? Because a lot of times within the group, there'll be someone that's like, well, I'm the target for this, right? I'm a SaaS manager or I'm a, you know, uh, I'm looking to buy a new mattress. And like, I, I, I this would never... 
I would never believe this claim or, you know, this is what I'm looking for. Nobody does this. Right. Um, I think copywriting is mostly, you know, research, feedback. Once you get an initial draft on paper. Right. Yeah. And then I I guess what's also beneficial of that, too, is that if when you you can when you're reading your own stuff over and over like you don't have like a blank slate and i feel like sometimes with copywriting what you really want is like a blank slate and somebody processing each line and just making sure yeah. that at at every at every step it's understood and it's not confusing and you just want that blank slate to be able to take that in and say oh i got stuck here i don't i'm on line 3 here and i'm just i'm lost now yeah, yeah. I you know, I think make sure every step of the way is clear. Make sure every step connects to the next step. Right? A lot of times you look at copy and it's like you got to really work at the beginning of each step to figure out, okay, there's a new subject. Um, okay, now we're talking about this. Um, you know, words can mean different things, right? You use the word since, you know, and it can mean a lot of different, you could go a lot of different places with that word, right? And sometimes people don't really understand that if someone goes off in a, diff, in a wrong direction, then they have to kind of go back a little bit, right? And go, oh, okay, I see, you know, how he meant it like this, right? He doesn't mean it for time. He doesn't mean it in a time sense, you know, since the Reformation. He means in a, kind of a sense of uh, like, since this is true, that is true. Uh, right. Right. But when you see the word since, you don't know it. But uh, And so you've got to write in a way where the, the writer, the reader doesn't get confused. Right. You got to ground him right away. You got to right away make him know where he's going, where the sentence is going. Not like, you know, so many times someone will do something in the beginning of a sentence. Right. You know, uh, and then the verb will be at the end of the sentence. You know, the boy, you know, uh, doing this, doing that, went to see his mother, right? So it's like, oh my God, I got to remember all the boy all the way up to went to see his mother through all this stuff, right? right? So so if the Um, the brain has to go back and think and reconstruct, then you've already kind of lost. I mean... Maybe they do it, maybe they don't, but you don't want them to have to even do that. Yeah, that's why a lot of times the best writing, you'll you'll see when you read it, it's just simple declarative sentences, right? Just simple, the boy went to see his mother, and then this, and then that. Almost like Hemingway is like an extreme example of that. But that's why people love Hemingway. He's so simple. Right. Right? He doesn't write sentences like Faulkner that no one can read or, you know... They take a lot of work to get through. Yeah, I think, um, and I think that's hard for people too because when, especially like in headlines, they want to explain the whole product in the headline. Yeah, yeah. But a, a lot of a lot of copywriting and a lot of marketing too is is just being willing to sacrifice things. Like you don't have to have all that. You've got a lot of good things to say about your product. You don't have to have them all in the headline. All you have to do in the headline is get them to read the next line. Right. Right. You're not going to sell them in the headline. Right. Yeah, you haven't established any sort of trust or proof or anything. Right. Yeah. Um, just get their attention. Make them go, wow. And most people, and, make- and depending on the price, most people are going to do, if it's interesting, most people are going to continue to do more research after that anyway. 
Right. Especially the, the higher the price, you know, like people are going to, you know, especially if you're selling consulting or something, people are going to investigate and learn more about you. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why we get them in a funnel and, you know, nurture them. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, so you've obviously been really successful in your career. And this, this is a, a question that I've kind of been learning along the way as well, or not a question, but something that I've been learning. And I, I just wanted your take on it, but it's like, so you've had a lot of success. Um, and there's this, there's this aura around copywriting that, um, if you just make it just perfect, it's going it, to, it can sell anything. But what I've also learned with working with people is that when I work with good products or good people, good consultants, people that have a really good product, it's easier to help them and get them good results, which kind of helps me look better as well. Like if there, there are certain people, right, there are right. certain people that, um, I, you know, there's nothing I can really do. Like I, I can't change certain things about them. And so I'm just not going to be able to get that person good results. So how, how, if somebody's getting into the, getting into copywriting and that's going to be their path, how do they kind of navigate picking good clients so that when they write good copy and they're getting better at copywriting, that it's kind of supported, right? Cause if they help, if, if they find good clients and do good work for them, they're going to get better results for them. How do you help people think that through and navigate it? Yeah. Well, you know, at a certain point in your career, you just kind of need the practice, right? You want to have a lot of opportunities to write because a lot of getting better at writing is just writing. Right. And you may not be able to afford to turn down clients and try to get um, a client with a product that you're really crazy about. Um, but you do want to be careful, right? You don't want to write for products that you don't feel good about. Um, it's a little bit like, um, maybe this isn't the best analogy, but it's a little bit like being a lawyer, right? Whether your client is innocent or guilty, whatever you think about it, he deserves the best possible defense, sure. right? So otherwise the whole criminal justice system falls apart. If lawyers are going, ah, I'm not going to take this guy on, he's guilty, or I don't like him. <laughs> right, sure. I, it, it can't work like that, right? So in a way, as a copywriter, it's our job to present whatever it is in the best possible light, right? Because there there's probably a match out you know someone for everyone they say it's the same kind of thing for someone that's it's a perfectly good product that they may need and it's kind of our job to you know help them find whatever the market is right for their product and you know it's it's even our job to help them improve their product yeah that's... which is of course a, a lot easier if it's a you know info product right you can say, oh, you should add some videos. You should add some reports. You should, you know, do this and do that. Yeah, that that's kind of like the interesting thing that I really learned. So I grew up another business and it was successful, but I, I didn't, it was just by doing good work, which, you know, having a good product kind of sells itself. But that was one of the most interesting things that I learned about copywriting and marketing is that if you're interacting with the marketplace and listening, it will, it could literally tell you what the product should be versus, right. versus you going, I mean, you always have to have like an idea of what you want, but it, if you're, if your ears are open and you're just interacting with the marketplace, it will, it will literally tell you what your product actually should be and how to make it better. Yes. Assuming, yeah. assuming and you can deliver on what people want. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and Silicon Valley in places have the whole system for that. Right. Right. Where you do like what they call an MVP, minimum viable product. Right. Right. Just get something out there and have people react to it. They go, no, I don't want this. I, I wish it had this. Right. Or whatever it is. And there's so many successful companies, you know, um, that came into a market thinking the market wanted a certain thing and it didn't. But they were successful because they were able to pivot. Right. A lot of companies just fail. But there's a lot of stories of companies like Honda or people like that. They came into the American market and thought the Americans wanted, you know, I don't know, motorcycles or, you know, certain kind of cars. And then they realized, no, they want, you know, what later became the Civic, right? They want a small, inexpensive car, whatever it is. Right. But And, and the market will tell you. Yeah, but what's interesting, like, like the, the startups did that and they, they mastered it. But in reality, though, it's like it's the same for even like consulting. I mean, that's what the whole high ticket consulting industry is based off of. Like you you go to the marketplace with this idea of what you think people want and you just put it out there and you, you get feedback and you have conversations with people and you can literally build your product that way. And that's how mm-hmm. you end up figuring out what is that, what is the real leverage here that I can create that is really going to, what, what is, what can I really, because the only way you can get leverage is if you really deliver a lot of value in a short amount mm-hmm. of time or, or something along those lines. And the only way you can kind of figure that out is talking to people. And I think that's when, when people are starting businesses, especially when they're starting out, that's the hardest part is that, um, they're, they're too emotionally attached to the idea that they created. And right, th- right, then, right. then you, okay, you spent, I mean, really, you didn't spend a lot of time. You spent a week or two deciding what you're going to do. And then you go out there. And then if somebody doesn't like it or doesn't respond to it, it's, it's too hard to just to say, well, that, that wasn't, I, either I didn't describe mm-hmm. it right or it's just not what people want. And then, and then you can just pivot from there. Like, if you think about it, you can go into the marketplace and pivot really fast. If you just decide what I'm really, what I'm really uh, concerned with is helping people get them, getting them what, getting them what they want, and figuring that out and being committed to that versus being committed to whatever business I thought I wanted. Right, right, and you're right. Talking to people is a great way to do it. Um, you know. There's a continuum, right? There's talking to people about something that doesn't exist. There's creating something that sort of exists. You can show them a picture. You can show them something, you know, and talk to them about it. There's creating like an actual something, like, right? If you want to do an information product, well, let me just do something. And it's like, you know, people like it, but they really like this module. So now I know I need to do a project based on this module, a product based on this module. Yeah, it's a little bit. I, I forget which what it was. I think it was Twitter, maybe, or something, that started out as this, and it might be Twitter, and it might be Slack, or it might be some some communication thing, right? But it started out as this whole company of something, but part of this company was this communication channel, right? That came along with whatever this product was that they were doing, and nobody particularly liked the product, whatever it was, but they did like this little communication thing within it that enabled you to communicate quickly with each other. And that became either Twitter or Slack. I can't remember which one it was, but that's how one of those things developed. It was this little piece of something 
that was just, oh, let me just write some code so people can communicate easily. And who knew? That was what, that was the thing people really wanted. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just an important lesson because if you're committed to creating a business and a really good product, uh, then I think it's a lot easier than if you are committed to creating this one thing that you've decided you want to do. Uh, right. Yeah. Especially if you want to charge a lot of money for it. You know, it's the same thing with writing copy, too. Let the market tell you what copy to write. Go out and talk to people. See what words they use about the problem, right? If you're writing a thing for high blood pressure, how do people talk about high blood pressure? What are they concerned about? Like, you don't know. I don't know about high blood pressure. Do people worry about their blood pressure getting so high they're going to explode? Do people care that they have high blood pressure if they can take drugs to get rid of it? So I need to tell them, hey, those drugs really aren't very good for you. Um, you know, duh, like, like, how do they talk about it, right? Do they think of it as a disease? Do they think of it as, you know, just a little, you know, it's a number that's a little too high or something? Um, do they talk about them? Do they suffer? Would they ever say, I suffer from high blood pressure? Like, because I don't want to use that in my copy if they would never say that. Um, you know, and what? how do they look for a cure? How do they look for a solution? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I think people get stuck, including me sometimes, is like, people say, yeah, you need to know how, and we were talking about this before, but people say you need to to know how people speak about things. Mm -hmm. But then like, you, you end up having to have a mechanism to go out and have those conversations. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's going to an event or having a podcast where you're talking with people or literally just going to social media and just asking people. You can, you can literally go to LinkedIn and create a poll and create a discussion in the comments. But you have to be, right. you have to be pretty intentional about doing that. Like you have to set out and then get out of your own way to go figure out those answers. Yeah. They're, they're right there. Like literally you can go and have communications with all these people. Right. As long as people right. don't think you're trying to sell them, and that, that, that might be the case as well, is that when somebody creates a product, they're so eager to sell it, they can't slow down enough just to have a conversation without, with yeah. someone without pitching them. They got to pitch it. And then, right. and then that person's now, that person's in a head, different headspace. They're like, they're trying to figure out how do they get out of this conversation? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're not. But as you said earlier, sometimes selling people also tells you. Yeah how you should be telling them because you see their eyes glaze over or their eyes don't glaze over or they respond, oh, or they respond, wow, I'm interested. Tell me more. Right. But there's like different phases. So like when I first started going, like the, the I start, I did do some outbound kind of like research and, and mm -hmm. sending people messages, but I, I wasn't saying, Hey, buy my product. What I said was, as I reached out, I said, Hey, I'm developing a new product. I have a concept that I'm, that I put together. I think you'd be really interested in it. I'd love to just get your feedback. And then in that conversation, I think I could give you some really insightful information. Mm -hmm. um, and what was kind of interesting about that is that it did, those conversations always did start as just like an informational thing. But when you're asking, yeah. but when you're asking people these thoughtful questions, um, they start like the only people that can ask thoughtful questions are people that might actually be able to deliver. And so a lot of the times they would just say, oh, tell me more about what you're doing. And then mm -hmm. sometimes that would kind of gravitate into more of a sales type situation. And then I could get a lot of interesting feedback through that process. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think another way, too, is, you know, just eavesdropping, right? Go on forums, read Amazon reviews of books that relate to high blood pressure or whatever your topic is, right? See what people say. See what their words are. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually an interesting thing. I had another client, and we did that. We we went to Google, and we just mm -hmm. read all the reviews. And uh, we got some really interesting insights from just reading what people were saying. But th again, that goes back to just being really intentional with what you're doing. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, so I really appreciate you spending the time today to kind of drop some of this uh, vast experience that you have with everybody. Oh, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, and uh, um, I would love to chat with you again some other time, and uh, I hope you have a, have a great one. All right, thanks, you too. All right, I'll see you.